The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today it is my honor and pleasure to welcome Mr. Michael Graziano. He is a filmmaker and a producer, director of the film Resistance, and that's the film we're going to be talking about. However, he and his filmmaking partner, Ernie Park, founded Uji Films in 2007. Their films have aired in more than 100 countries and have been screened at a variety of well-known film venues and festivals around the world. Their previous documentary, which I am also very interested in, is called Lunchline, and that too was screened across the U.S., Europe, and Australia, and it addressed the issue of school lunch and all of the challenges we face there. Michael received an M.A. from Georgetown University and was a Ph.D. candidate and teaching fellow in film and media studies at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. The topic today is going to focus on the film Resistance, and it focuses on antibiotic resistance in particular. So welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. I want to know a little bit about your history with regard to film. You know, why did you get into making film, and why did you major in this topic to begin with? I don't know. I think I'd always liked film as a medium. I was drawn to it as a kid and made little experiments with friends in junior high and high school. And then, you know, I made a couple experimental films and as an undergrad, but I didn't really get into it until graduate school, and when I was getting my master's, I made a documentary film with some other people instead of writing a traditional master's thesis, and that was really the first foray into real filmmaking, and then once I finished that, I got jobs in production in the Washington, D.C. area and worked in TV and for production companies there. And then I went back to grad school at Northwestern in a you know, traditional film and media studies program where I just got more and more into it. And I realized about halfway through my dissertation that I was probably better suited to try to make films than to study the films that other people made. So that's sort of a roundabout way of how I got into the field. Well, it's interesting to me that the two films that you've produced that I'm very interested in have a public health angle. And my attraction to film is that it's so much more enjoyable to watch a film than it is to hear a public health professional lecturing on the topic, <laughs> as much as I hate to say that. You know, it's it's one of the reasons why the practice group that I belong to within the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics looks at using film as a way to teach each other about issues. And we love having film, and we love having a panel of experts following the viewing to help bring a community together to talk about problems, but then solutions. Have you found that to be the case with your films and screenings, that you know it kind of brings people to a level they're emotionally sparked, so they want to take action to make change? 
I, I think so. I mean, I feel like film probably engages us in a way that other media don't. And I also think if it's an issue-oriented subject, that you can cover a lot of ground in a film and engage people in a way that, as you mentioned, you can't really do with a lecture. So we often tell our partners for screenings, and they happen to be advocacy groups and sometimes public health groups, things like that, that, you know, it allows them to reach beyond their normal constituency. Because if you tell people, hey, come to our lecture about public health or, hey, come to this free screening where we can have snacks and then have this, like, engaged discussion afterward, you have a lot better odds of getting people to come out, I think. I agree, especially with the snack part is really, (laughs) (laughs) that's always a good way to bring people together. No, seriously, I agree with you. And I think that for me, in my experience with film, the thing that I love about it is it is so engaging and it is an emotional way to convey a message that the talking heads just cannot do, unfortunately. And, you know, that's the culture that so many of us come from in public health. But I want to know in particular why you chose to focus on antibiotic resistance with this project. So um, we sort of backed into the subject. As you mentioned, our previous film, Lunchline, looked at the history and politics of the National School Lunch Program. And through the production and the subsequent screenings of that film, we became really acquainted with several public health groups, groups that were concerned with child welfare and nutrition and public health more generally. And during the distribution of that film, you know, we started to hear about MRSA infections in locker rooms and daycare centers and things like that from those people. And at the same time, because school lunch is such a big part of the food system in the United States, we also got acquainted with groups that are concerned with agriculture and the food system. And they started telling us about the overuse of antibiotics in conventional animal agriculture. And so you sort of get these two pieces of information and then start to look more into the subject on your own. And as I did that, I realized, wow, this is a huge, huge subject. And At the time, this was about three years ago, three and a half years ago, there wasn't really that much in the, at least the mainstream media, about the issue. So I thought was deserving of a more comprehensive treatment. Mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough for addressing this. I have been looking at this issue for a long time, and many of the people that you interview in the film I've had on Foods with Radio as guests, And I know that we have been talking about this topic and even dietitians being targeted by those who don't want to make a change in the industrial system. It's a problem. And one of the things that always comes up is we are told that, you know, we need inexpensive food. And by giving animals antibiotics, it makes them more efficiently use their feed. So they gain weight faster. They can go to slaughter sooner. And the end result is a cheaper meat product in the supermarket. However, as I frequently tell consumers, there is a big price to pay for cheap food. And the statistics that I have here is that antibiotic-resistant infections cost American taxpayers over $4 billion a year. We don't pay that at the checkout, 
but we pay it as a society. And I wonder, as you're producing this film, and I've seen the film, it's terrific, And I should let our listeners know that we are actually going to be showing this film at the big meeting of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics in October in Atlanta with a great panel with individuals who are in the film. But tell me a little bit more about the people that you interviewed, the points that they made that struck you. Well, gosh, there's so many because that was one of the real challenges of making the film is that the issue is so complex. Mm-hmm. It's so complex, and it touches on so many different things. It's what some of the guys from like the CDC and other places that we spoke with, they referred to it as a multifactorial problem. So it's really hard to identify like a cause and effect for certain things. And in the case of human medicine, and I think the overuse there, it genuinely is really complex. And so we had a lot of good insight from physicians that we interviewed about why that is, some of the psychological reasons and institutional reasons that there is this overuse of antibiotics in human medicine. But in agriculture, it's a different story. I mean, I think in human medicine, there's no one saying, oh, this isn't a problem, don't worry about it. Everyone agrees with the infectious diseases doctors leading the charge. But even on down to the nurse practitioner and the RN, everybody knows it's a problem. And there's a lot, I think there is some effort, some concerted effort, it needs to be better, but there is some concerted effort to change things. In agriculture, though, you do have this group of people, industry, that has an interest in keeping the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so there are these people who will say, oh, it's not a problem, or you can't connect A to B. There's no smoking gun, these sorts of things. And... I would say that that line of argumentation just really doesn't hold water scientifically or, in my opinion, ethically anymore. Mm -hmm. In your film, you interview Louise Slaughter, who is a representative from New York who is the only microbiologist in the House of Representatives. And she has been trying to pass legislation PAMPTA, the preservation of the therapeutic use of antibiotics. And she has not been able to pass legislation which would restrict this prophylactic use of antibiotics in animals. So nobody's saying that if an animal is sick, they shouldn't be treated. What she wants to accomplish with this legislation is the restriction of using antibiotics to enhance growth, for example. Why do you think she can't get this passed? I don't know. I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't even think she's ever been able to get it out of committee. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm not sure. I asked her that question, and, you know, she sort of gave the answer that she could, I think. And that's, there's a lot of influence of big agriculture and big pharmaceutical companies have a lot of influence in Washington. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's going to be extremely negative consequences if we don't take action quickly. I mentioned the cost of these illnesses. 
If you go into a room now, if I'm giving a talk, for example, and I'm going to be talking about antibiotic-resistant infections, I may ask the group, just raise your hand if you yourself or you or someone you know has had an antibiotic-resistant infection. And just about every hand goes up. So we know the problem is increasing. Marin McKenna, who you also interview in the film, she's been a guest on Food Sleuth Radio. She's the author of Superbug, and she has been looking at this issue for a long time. And she recently wrote an excellent piece for a publication called Medium. And in that piece, she wrote about how we have no comprehension, really, about how losing antibiotic effectiveness is going to affect healthcare. So, for example, you know, you go in for a hernia surgery, and you may be given a routine antibiotic to prevent any infection afterward. And if those antibiotics aren't working, you might have to put off what would normally be a routine surgery. So I don't think that the public really has a full grasp of what this truly means in terms of impact. And I wonder, did anybody talk about this with you when you were making the film? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was one of the main points we kind of make, uh, I kind of made up front in the film that experts talk about this return to the pre-antibiotic era, or actually it would be the post-antibiotic era. And so sanitation and basic hygiene has done a lot for health in the United States and the developed world. So it's not as though if we lost antibiotics that everything would just completely, you know, actually, I don't even want to say that. The fact is, if we didn't have useful antibiotics, we wouldn't be able to do all sorts of routine medical procedures that we now take for granted. So transplants, for example, would not be possible without useful antibiotics chemotherapy or other immune suppression kinds of therapies would not be possible with antibiotics. The treatment of premature babies, basically impossible without antibiotics. Even something as mundane as some dental work would not be possible without useful antibiotics. So we need to keep that in mind. It's not just about, oh, I have this infection that I can't treat. It's all of these procedures, all of these things that now form the basis of modern medicine would suddenly become either much more dangerous and deadly or outright impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's truly frightening. We need to take a break and let our listeners know, if they're just joining us, that we are speaking with Michael Graziano, and he is the producer and director of a new film called Resistance, about antibiotic resistance and the threat to public health. Well, Michael, I know that when you're creating a film, you have to cut a lot out. And I'm sure that those are very difficult, almost excruciating decisions on your end. We're going to be able to see the film and know what's in it. What did you cut out? Oh, man, that was, it was really, excruciating is the right word. And up until two weeks before the premiere of the film, it was a good 10, 15 minutes longer than it is now, than this final cut is. And the first assembly of the film I had was four hours long. Yeah. <laughs> then I cut it down to two hours and 11 minutes, and then down to 97, and then 94, and now I finally got it to the 72-minute cut that that I feel good about. But 
So needless to say, there's a lot of things we cut out. But some of the more interesting things that if I could do a, a sequel or, or an, another sidebar or something on, I probably relate to the microbiome mm. and metagenomics and all of this new fascinating science that's coming out about the way our microbial flora affect all sorts of things about our personal health and our public health as well. That was one big one. And the other thing I think would have to do with healthcare-acquired infections. I had a whole section in the film that I ended up having to cut out that was all about healthcare-acquired infections and actually how that can be impacted in a very positive way by just a few not-so-difficult measures. I profiled a group of nurses at a regional medical center in New Jersey that took it upon themselves to change the infection control culture at their hospital, and they had great results. And so luckily for me, things like DVD and now even with the online downloads we have, I can include those segments as bonus features. So people listening, if you're interested in those things, uh, you can get them via the DVD or the deluxe download. I'm really glad to know that because that was going to be my next suggestion. It was going to be either make a separate film or have some other downloads that we can access for more information because everything you've mentioned is so critical to understand when we're looking at the big picture and putting all the puzzle pieces together. You mentioned healthcare-acquired infections. I know that because I work with the food system and food in healthcare, I know that there is a movement among hospitals to only serve meat in the cafeteria that comes from facilities that do not treat the animals with antibiotics because they're finding that the antibiotic-resistant bacteria can come in through the meat, can come in with, if there's someone actually from a farm where they're interacting with livestock that have been treated with antibiotics, They can be carriers for the antibiotic-resistant infection. There's some research going on in Iowa right now and Pennsylvania. So seeing this issue and expanding out to see how the different components of our society all fit in and play a role, I think is so important. And I wonder how much of that you get into in the film. That's a that's a big thread in the film and sort of maybe the meta thread that kind of connects the whole film is the reality that we live in one big ecology that is dominated by microbes and bacteria in particular. And so the things that we do in that ecological system with antibiotics and other chemicals have significant effects on our safety and health in that system. And I don't think, we certainly haven't fully appreciated that as a society. And I think a lot of that is now coming to light, the way the ecological effects of things like antibiotics. And so I feel like hospitals should be leading the charge on that with regard to public health. Because what we know is anywhere you use, anywhere in time you use antibiotics, resistance will develop. So the overuse of antibiotics spurs an even more rapid and unnecessary development of resistance. 
So if anyone should be working to decrease the unnecessary use of antibiotics, it should be hospitals. And if that overuse happens to be on a farm, well, hospitals should be working to see that not happen for the reasons that you mentioned, because of the ecological effects of this use of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. Mm, absolutely, it does. Now, you've had screenings in New York, Washington, D.C., Berkeley, California, and elsewhere. And I wonder what you have experienced in watching the film being screened. You've had probably experience with incredible panels and the interaction between the panelists and the audience. What's risen to the top or what kinds of things have come out that you found interesting? Probably two things. I think the first is that you alluded to this, or actually you mentioned it outright, that people's experience with these infections is growing, and it's really common now. So there are lots of people at these screenings who have personal experience with resistant infections. Fortunately, not as dire as the ones shown in the film, but, you know, where people's extent of their health care visits was increased dramatically. The cost was increased dramatically. And the anxiety about the outcome was increased dramatically when those first-line antibiotics didn't work. So that's one thing that's definitely become apparent to me is the, the ubiquity of these kinds of infections in our society. And probably the second thing is that once the film is done, people are really ready to talk about it, either just with genuine questions about a piece of it that they didn't quite understand or that they challenged something that they had thought previously, and with reflections about their own experience in healthcare or with the food system and how it relates to this you know, problem with antibiotics. So those are the two things, I think. Mm-hmm. Have there been any standout panelists, in your opinion? And all of them have been great, honestly. We've been fortunate to have the enthusiastic participation of a lot of great people. I think Martin Blazer, who wrote yes. the book Missing Microbes, he was on the panel in New York, and he was fantastic. His book has rightly so gotten a lot of uh, publicity, and so he's been kind of on the circuit, so he was really good at giving concise answers, which maybe I'm not <laughs> right now, but he was great. Urvashi Rangan from Consumers Union, who was also on the panel in New York after the screening there, she was able to relate this issue to food safety and some of the public health initiatives that Consumers Union is part of in an interesting way. And Louise Slaughter, who spoke after the film in Washington, D.C., and introduced the film at a congressional briefing at the Capitol that we did. She's a fantastic and eloquent advocate for the public health on these issues. Her presence and insight were definitely memorable. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard a lot of calls to action in the course of screening and, and this discussion, and especially from Representative Louise Slaughter, what would you say we, as the citizenry, can do to change the policies 
affecting the use of these drugs in animal agriculture? You know, there are several petitions. If you if you go to our website, resistancetofilm.com, you can find petitions spearheaded by some of our partner groups like Food and Water Watch and Environmental Working Group that are actively petitioning legislators on these issues. So definitely that's an easy thing you can do. You can sign those petitions. You can reach out to your representatives at the state and the federal level and tell them, like, hey, we don't think this should be happening. Just send them an email or call them. I mean, I would encourage everybody to do that. Tell them to support PAMTA if they're in Congress or the sort of sister bill in the Senate is called PARA, the Prevention of Antibiotic Resistance Act, P-A-R-A, is the, the Senate, sort of the Senate version of PAMTA. So tell your senators to support that. And I think you can, it's almost become a kind of, well, we'll call it a, not a cliche, but like a proverb now. You can vote with your checkbook. So buy meat raised without antibiotics. I mean, I feel like ABF, which is antibiotic-free, that's sort of the designation for antibiotic-free meat, is, is a, it's almost like a bare minimum now. I mean, if you can do it, if you can afford it, which I can't always, but pastured organic meat is the best. Mm-hmm. And I think for health reasons that are that would be best explained by one of your other guests, pastured grass-fed animals are more healthy, but they're also the environmental effects and those ecological effects we were talking about are not only mitigated by pastured animals, but there's actually positive effects that come from pastured ruminant animals. And so I think if you can do that, if you're able to do that, that's the best way to go. And maybe you eat less meat, you know, mm-hmm. but eat better meat. I mean, I think those are some of the things that people can do. And and it's not always out, out of reach. So one of our partners in the distribution of the film has been Applegate. And they make organic and antibiotic-free deli meat and bacon. And and because of the, you know, they're able to do it at a certain level, it's mostly affordable for people. So there there are alternatives out there. You just have to maybe look a little harder. But once you find them, you know where they are, and it's not any more difficult than buying the cheap conventional meat. Mm-hmm. And if we can institutionalize those practices all the better and get the kind of dollars out of our political system, take our government back and have policies that really do protect the public health. I would I would add that also. And yeah. I and I want to second your statement as as a registered dietitian, I absolutely promote pastured organic meat. And people may not know this, but organic meat by law, those animals cannot be given antibiotics. So I just want to thank you. We have, of course, run out of time. I knew our time would fly. But I want to just let our listeners know that we have been speaking with Mr. Michael Graziano. He is the producer and director of the film called Resistance. And the website is resistancethefilm.com. As Mr. Graziano mentioned, you can go there and you can find petitions to sign, more information. You can order the film on that website and look for public screening so that you can share the conversation and, and 
find a larger community of caring. In closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us, remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And most of all, I want to thank you, Michael. Thank you for doing this important film. I hope that all of us coming together, artists, educators, public health professionals, we can all change the system so that we can have a healthy populace and delicious food. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.